Well, good morning. I would invite you to take out your Bibles and open them back up to the book of Corinthians. Uh, we recently studied from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to kind of wrap up our study in these first three chapters as we um, continue looking through this, this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Um, and what we're going to see here is that Paul is going to be summing up uh, pretty much everything that he has said up to this point in these last few verses of chapter 3. Now, we certainly don't need to go back and do an a in-depth view and look at everything that Paul has talked about up to this point, but maybe to refresh our memories a little bit, it would be well to remember that, that the Corinthians had been fighting and had been dividing themselves into groups based off of who that they would claim that they belong to. I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. And some were saying that they were of Apollos, who was that elegant and, and bold speaker. Maybe that's the reason why they were striving to, to belong to him. Maybe others were saying that they belonged to Paul because he was that, that great and active apostle at the time that is doing so much work in this area. Or maybe others wanted to, to belong to Peter because he was that fiery, close friend of Jesus himself. We can understand and see how these men might have um, been very special to them. Paul had much to say about this division, but mainly it was that they were wrong in doing so. They are relying upon the wisdom of, of man and not the wisdom of God. <clears throat> uh, they were relying upon the wisdom of the, of, of the present age in which they lived. So in chapter 2, he talks a little bit about that. And he tells them about spiritual wisdom and how much greater God's wisdom is than the wisdom of the world. The only problem is that we can't know the wisdom of God unless it is revealed to us in some way. And therefore, this division that, they, that was created in Corinth, this is the reason why this division was so bad. Because God's wisdom is a spiritual wisdom, and it's revealed through Christ, and it's revealed through His gospel. But this division, and these, them dividing and fighting themselves uh, into groups, had made them carnal, had made them fleshly. And so they were not focused on, on the spiritual wisdom that comes from God's Word. They were focused more on, on men and on worldly wisdom. Paul teaches them about the truth that these men, these men that they were fighting themselves over, these men that they had placed on such a high pedestal, they were merely servants. They were merely ministers of the Word of God. And he tells them about their place in all of this, in this relationship. He says that they are God's field and they are God's building. And that brings us to verse, up to verse 16 and verse 17. In these passages here, he tells them a little bit about this temple of God and, and what they were in the process of doing. And splitting up the temple into different camps belonging to different men who were nothing more than servants and fellow workers in the same building, they were in danger of destroying the very thing that they were, they were fighting over. And in verse 17, he says, If anyone defiles the temple of God... God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That's pretty tough language, to say the least. If you don't start tearing down the temple, Corinth, God is going to destroy you. You know, I bet that whenever, he, whenever this letter was written and whenever it was read in the, in, the, in the church, that got some attention. That got some people to stop and to think. In fact, we know in, in 2 Corinthians that it really got some people to, it, it, it pricked their hearts. And it affected these Corinthians. They listened to the letter and they learned from it. Paul is now going to sum up everything that he has said in these verses. Verses 18 through 23. 
And he's going to help us and help them to see the, uh, the truth about the men that they were fighting over and the relationship they all had together. In verse 18, he says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So Paul, as he begins to wrap things up here, he tells the the Corinthians, don't be fooling yourself. Let no man deceive himself. Um, certainly, certainly we need to see that Satan had played a very large part in what was going on at Corinth. In the dividing into groups, into the, the putting men up on pedestals and looking at these men as if they were uh, so, some great thing to be, to be following after. Satan played a part in that. Uh, and we know that Satan is the father of all lies, and he has deceived many a righteous men into turning their lives away from God. But it oftentimes seems that Satan really just needs to get the wheels started. We're pretty good at keeping that car rolling on our own. We don't oftentimes need his assistance to keep going down a path that is wrong. And maybe that is what has happened here at Corinth. And the brethren there had been deceiving themselves into thinking that these men were of such a great importance that they should divide themselves into groups and to follow after them. Paul says to them, if you think this is a good idea, well, you are, you are sorely mistaken. Now, it may have seemed wise at the time. It may have seemed like it was a, a good idea to say that these men are, are great men, and certainly that, that might have been true. And so it might have seemed wise to say that, well, we will, we will belong to these men. They are greater than, than uh, maybe someone else. They, they have done more work in the kingdom than someone else. They have been more productive than someone else. And so we are going to be uh, followers of these people. And we are going to associate with other people who were followers of these people and who share this same name. This wisdom was not spiritual wisdom. It completely ignored Jesus' pleas. In John chapter 17, Jesus pleaded for the church, prayed for the church to be, to be united as he was united with God. And it wholly placed much emphasis, more emphasis than was, than was necessary on men of this world. Paul then, he, he quotes, he quotes Eliphaz, the friend of, of Job, when he says, God catches the wise in their own craftiness. Now, I think it's interesting that Paul uses Eliphaz uh, as of the example here, that he quotes Eliphaz. If you'll turn back over to Job chapter 5 for a moment. Job chapter 5 is where this quote comes from. And we'll remember in the life of Job up to this point, uh, there's been some pretty hard things that Job has had to deal with. He, is, he has seen the loss of his, of his property. He has seen the loss of, of his health. He has seen the loss of much of his family. And he is, is accompanied by his three friends, and they sit together for some period of time, um, not, not talking, just sitting with one another, being with the one in his company. And then finally, when, when Eliphaz begins to speak, 
He tells Job, now Job, we know these things are happening to you. And I paraphrased, of course. He, he says, we know these things are happening to you because you're, you're sinning, Job. You've done some sin, and, and, and this is the punishment that you have received for your sin. But Job, you're not telling us that. You're not, com- you're not confessing your sin to us, and you think that somehow you're going to trick us. You think that you're wiser than us. But guess what, Job? God, he, he is able to catch the wise in their own traps. That's what he says in verse 13. He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the cunning comes quickly upon him. This is the passage that, that Paul quotes when he's speaking to the Corinthians. It's interesting because Eliphaz could not have been farther from the truth when he's talking here about Job. Later on, in chapter 42 of Job, it says in verse 7, And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. Eliphaz was as far from the truth as he possibly could have been in relation to his words spoken against Job. But in relation to the words spoken against Corinth, Paul, Paul hits the nail square on the head. In arguing out of your wisdom as to which group is greater, you are destroying the very thing that you desire to preserve. In fact, your wisdom isn't freeing you. You may look at this and think, oh, this is some great thing. And if, if everyone would just, just listen to me and we'll all belong to Apollos, things will be better. Paul was saying, your wisdom is not freeing you. It is actually enslaving you. And as Psalm 94, 11 says, it is futile. Your wisdom is, is, is futile. So he gives them this instruction. The wise should become foolish. Now, this is not to say that the wise should become like those who are described so oftentimes in the book of Proverbs, the foolish as, as having no God or, or having no, no morals, doing that which is not right. But rather, this is much like what we, what we talked about in our Bible class this morning. And Jesus setting the child in his lap and said, you become like this little children, like this little child. You become humble. Paul was telling the men here, that you think you have all the answers. You need to become not men with all the answers, but men who are learners. So you can actually receive the answer. You see, there was a problem in Corinth, and it wasn't just that they were relying upon their, their, this worldly wisdom. They were also seemingly full of pride and full of arrogance. To think, I'm the one that can decide this is the group that's better than any other group, and we need to belong to this group. They were not setting themselves apart for God. They were not being holy. But rather, they were, they were being just like the rest of the people around them, the rest of the people in Corinth, who would have been very similar to, to, the, to the thought process to which they had here, making very similar decisions and holding to these different schools of thoughts. They were acting like the Jews when they divided into sects such as Pharisees and Sadducees, Essenes and Zealots. They were like... Oftentimes done in the Jews when they said, I belong to, maybe like Paul, I, I sit at the feet of Gamaliel. And so they were doing much like the people around them. They were acting like the Greeks who said that they, they would have Socrates or Plato or Aristotle. And we, we belong to this train of thought or this train of thought. The Romans had, had Cicero and Seneca. We can see that the world around them divided into these groups. And they were very much like the world around them doing the same thing. They weren't separated from the world. They weren't separated or, or sanctified for God. 
And the thing is, this isn't the first time that the people of God have failed to be holy. You see, they were repeating history here. Countless times in the Old Testament, we find the Israelites turning to the gods of the nations that surrounded them, uh, not observing the commandments that have been given by God, but rather listening to, to other kings or to other people of influence. We see a great example of this, and maybe, maybe most, most vividly seen in 1 Kings chapter 11. That's exactly what Solomon was, was involved in. It says there in the beginning of that chapter that he loved many foreign women had taken wives from many of the surrounding nations, something which the Bible, or something which God had told him not to do, had told the children of Israel not to be involved in. And the result of this, as we see in verse 3, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. His heart was turned from God. And before long, we see Solomon, who was a king regarded for great wisdom, we see a king who is now worshiping Ashtaroth, as verse 5 says, the goddess of the Sidonians. That's a, the, the, the false god that, that had plagued Israel for so long, uh, going all the way back to the time of the judges, and they were constantly having to, to deal with this, this influence of the people that worshiped this goddess. They was following after the Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Milcom is another name for Molech. This was a God that they literally would sacrifice their children to, burn their children to Molech. Solomon was following after Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. This angers God greatly. And he determines to tear the kingdom away from Solomon. And we remember what happens next. After Solomon dies, Rehoboam comes to power. He reigns after the death of his father. And Jeroboam comes back from Egypt and he, he makes the petition to, to, ease, to, to ease up on the, the workload of the people. Rehoboam doesn't listen and Jeroboam raises up an uprising against him. Ten of the twelve tribes of the kingdom leave with Jeroboam and, and form the northern kingdom of Israel, while only Judah and Benjamin remain to form the, the southern kingdom of Judah. Division has always been. Division has always been a direct result of God's people lacking holiness. When God's people are not holy like God is holy, when they are not set apart for God in the way that he has commanded them to be, division is soon to follow. The Corinthians weren't setting themselves apart from the world. They were carnal. They were fleshly. And they were trying their very best to divide into these groups. And so Paul gives them this information, tells them, don't be fooled, don't deceive yourselves, you're not being wise, you're catching yourself in, in a very dangerous trap, and you're hurting yourself here. You're repeating the history of, of the people who have come before you. And after saying these things, he drops this bombshell on them. He says, don't boast in these men, for all things are yours. All things are yours. These men were so busy fighting over which group that they were going to belong to that they were lost on the fact that Apollos and Paul and Cephas had been given to them by God for their betterment. And so there's great frivolity uh, of boasting in men. And it's especially seen in the three men that they chose to boast in. I boast in Apollos, that a great and bold and eloquent speaker who, who not too terribly long ago was preaching falsehood. It was preaching the wrong baptism. 
Or I boast in Paul, the great and active apostle, who not too long ago was great and active in destroying the very church that he builds up now. Or maybe I boast in Peter, that close friend of Christ who who denied him, not once, not twice, but three times. The men they had chosen to boast in should have been a great example to them that men are not something to boast in. And so Paul says, don't boast in these men, rather see them as belonging to you. Not you belonging to them, but belonging to you for your good. Romans 8 verse 28 says that we know that all things work for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Paul was saying these men are for your good. They are for your benefit. You don't belong to these men. These men belong to you. Paul, Apollos, Cephas, in fact, all things. All things belong to you, Corinth. All of God's plan for a new life in Jesus Christ. His plan to give us teachers and to give us wisdom has been given to you. And you have taken this and you have divided it into groups of which servant is better than the other, which servant you're going to belong to. And God is saying to you, the servants are yours. Use them. I think it's important to remember though, That he is talking not to individuals. He is talking to the church at Corinth, to the congregation there. And I imagine that there were some members of this congregation at Corinth who had been taught by Apollos. Who had learned from him, maybe even been brought to Christ through Apollos. And Paul is saying to them, that is great. That is great that you have been taught by Apollos. It is good for you and it is good for the congregation as a whole. Because guess what? There are also some there who likely would have been taught by Peter. And there were some there who would have been taught by Paul. And they are all a part of the same congregation. And they can now learn from each other. They can take the things that Apollos taught, and they can talk about the things that Peter taught, and the things that Paul taught, and they can all grow together. And I'm sure there is someone in your life, a brother or a sister or maybe, maybe a preacher or a teacher of some sort, someone in your life who has taught you something. And you have taken that which they have taught you and you have told to someone else and you have taught them. Maybe it's someone uh, like, a, like a Gary Sandusky or J.R. Bronger. These men, I, I just, just, they were just here in the central Kentucky area for a gospel meeting. They're fresh on my mind. Maybe it was someone like these two men who, who, who taught you something. And what we're going to do is not going to divide into saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm a Gary Sandusky over here. I'm going to belong to Gary Sandusky. Maybe someone else, well, no, no, I think we should belong to J.R. Bronger. We need to be J.R. Bronger followers. That would be silly. And I'll tell you right now, if they heard that was going on, they would have the same reaction that Paul had to say, this is ridiculous. This is not something that needs to be done. Instead, instead let's encourage one another. Let's take the things that, that someone has taught us in our lives and let's bring that to the, to the church as a whole. Let's help one another to grow. Help one another to see God's truth as, as, as taught to us by other servants. Because we have all been extremely blessed. Each and every one of us has been extremely blessed to be with other servants who have taught us from God's Word. And so the Corinthians needed to stop seeing themselves as individual parts of a different group but rather see themselves as individual parts of a whole. 
that was building up that hole. Because what they were doing was robbing themselves from the riches of God. Instead of fighting about Paul and Apollos and destroying the temple, why don't you unite together, Corinth, and grow from one another? Now again, as I, as I pointed out in a previous lesson, and I hate that I have to make qualifying statements like this, but oftentimes it is necessary. These men, and this statement that Paul is making, can only be true. Can only be true because the fact was that Paul and Apollos and, and Cephas were teaching the same doctrine. If one of them had been teaching something that was not true, they could not unite. They could not grow they only could unite and could only grow because the things that they were teaching and the teachers that they were discussing about and, and, and had been previously fighting over were teaching the same doctrine, were teaching the gospel of Christ. And so Paul tells them, you are robbing yourselves by, by boasting in men because these things are yours. They're, you're not intended to be fighting and dividing them up. They are yours and you, you don't belong to them, but they belong to you. And this is very similar to the words that he speaks to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then in verse 7, he says, In whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He has made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. He has made every spiritual blessing and the riches of His grace to abound toward us. And that is true about Corinth as well. God had made the, the riches of His grace. He had made spiritual blessings abound towards them. And Paul goes on to say in chapter 4 a little bit about how he does that. In verse 11, he says, He himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's almost like that. those passages right there, those five, six verses, they could have been taken out of Ephesians and planted directly into the Corinthian letter and they would have fit just as well there as they fit here. Because arguing over who is better, arguing over which group they're going to belong to, which teacher that they want to, to, to represent them or who they, which teacher they're going to follow, it ransacks the blessings given to them by God. Those blessings were given for a purpose, as we read in Ephesians, for the purpose of knitting us together, for the purpose of equipping us to the ministry, for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. God had given them these things for these purposes, and yet they were dividing themselves over the very things given to them to draw them together. This is the message that the Corinth, uh, church at Corinth needed to learn. 
They didn't belong to the teachers. The teachers belonged to them, along with everything that God had richly given to them. But ultimately, they all belonged to Christ, and Christ belonged to God. Brothers and sisters, that is true unity. That is true unity. When when we see those belonging to Christ living as if they belong to Christ, we can't live outside of Christ and claim unity. Each one living for his, his own thoughts and his own desires. But we also can't live within Christ and not strive for unity each longing to follow and to serve Him and to belong to Him as He belongs to the Father. This is where the Corinthians, and oftentimes this is where brethren today, lose sight of the gospel message. We are God's temple. As Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, there is only one body. It is built upon the foundation of Christ. We mustn't divide it with our humanly wisdom, but rather unite it to be growing in the riches of His grace, which abound to us all in wisdom, spiritual wisdom coming only from His inspired Word. So maybe the question that we need to ask ourselves as we read about the Corinthians is will we divide the church or will we unite it in growth? The Corinthians were actively defiling the temple because of their reliance on their wisdom. So what about you and me? Let's bring this lesson home to Lake Street. What are we doing? We might not be dividing the church into groups because of teachers. I think most of us would look at that and think that's a, that's a pretty silly thing to do. To divide up and, and to follow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this because this is what this guy says and I like his, uh, the way he says it. Or I, I, this person's been really successful. I'm going to do what they say because I like the way they say it. We're not dividing into groups or into factions based off which teacher we belong to. But are we guilty on relying on the wisdom of this age and not the wisdom of God? You see, when we allow our thoughts or the thoughts of others to to hinder us from doing what God has commanded us to do, I believe that's exactly what we are doing. We are not relying upon the wisdom of God. And so Paul's warning to Corinth, is just as applicable today as it is to them in that day. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and whose temple you are. But just because the church in Corinth had this problem, and even if today we might struggle with this problem, there was joy for the church at Corinth because they knew they were well acquainted with the forgiveness of God. They knew that this didn't have to remain a problem for Corinth. They didn't have to remain in this scenario, in this, in, in this state of fighting and dividing the church up, the, the kingdom up. Because as we read over in chapter 6, that there were those there who were adulterers, and there were those there who were liars, and there were those there who were thieves and drunkards, but yet they had been washed, and they had been sanctified, and they had been justified. In Christ, by the Spirit of God, we have the same blessing today. To be washed, to be cleansed of our sins, having them removed in baptism. 
to be sanctified, to be set apart from the world, from sin, set apart to God as His people, and to be justified by the Spirit. Have you trusted in God today? Have you come to Him to receive forgiveness of your sins through obedience? To receive the blessings that are provided by His grace? If you have not done so, then I encourage you to take this opportunity that we are about to have as we sing the invitation song to make your life right with God. As we, as we open up to number 269 and recognize there, there is nothing, nothing on this earth, nothing in man's wisdom, nothing that can ever provide for us the salvation that Jesus' blood has provided for us. But I also would invite you, if you have already done so, but maybe you've realized that you've leaned too much upon the wisdom of this world and this life. You have not trusted in God. You have not looked to Him for strength whenever you struggle with something such as, such as sin. Or instead of doing that which He has commanded you to do, you have, you have turned to the, the instruction of maybe another for guidance in your life. If there's something that has separated you from the Lord, this invitation that we sing, as we sing this song, Nothing But the Blood, let it remind you of the great price that was paid so that you could be in this kingdom, but also of the great forgiveness that God bestows to each and every one of us. If there's anything that we can do here this morning at the Lake Street Church of Christ to help you in your walk, to help you to draw closer to God, it is our utmost desire to do so. Would you please let it be known right now as we stand and as we sing.